0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another solemn but majestic edition of Ignite Radio Live. Over the
1: five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are blessed to be together with you during this Advent
0: season. So blessed to have a really awesome brother in Christ and Way guest tonight, awesome. and we're going to get to him very quickly It actually ties into our message tonight to a little bit of an advertisement. We are in the second week of our four-week journey into the heart of Christ's Mass. We call it Presence for Christmas. The simple phrase, I hope it doesn't become cliche, but no presence with a T surpasses the gift of presence. No presence with a T surpasses the gift of presence, and so presents for Christmas, brothers and sisters out there, we invite you. Make the commitment. Come tomorrow, Saint Joan of Arc, six thirty p.m. Very powerful last week. Yes, just blessed in incredible ways to come before
1: our Eucharistic Lord together um, with a very. Uh, filled out church. I think Mm -hmm. 160, 170, not that numbers matter, but just to be able to come together in community like that. And um, Peter Range from the Respect Life office did an amazing job in his testimony. And people were so generous supporting his ministry. We in our nonprofit just felt very much the Lord putting on our hearts to extend during this um, Advent season to bless other nonprofit ministries, and so just delighted um, to be able to be that conduit in in that realm. But just very powerful, mm-hmm. all ages, from elderly to little crying babies, which was beautiful. Absolutely, coming before the Lord, confessions going on throughout, and the procession of candles down to the burning bush was just very moving for so many. There were a lot there who had experienced an a night before presence for Christmas, but many newcomers um, that were just very moved, and the Lord used that. And so to have the good deacon bring the Lord, you know, out from the tabernacle and to be present as a present to us, and um, just miracles happening, you know, in people's hearts and knowing so many of the heavy stories that people um, brought before our Eucharistic Lord. And as um, the deacon brought Jesus down in the monstrance, in closer proximity and people coming and kneeling down mm-hmm. before him, you so know, beautiful. just very powerful. So we praise God for the miracles mm-hmm. we know that he did and will continue to do over the next few weeks. So again, presents for Christmas, St. Joan of Arc here in Toledo, six thirty PM tomorrow, Wednesday, and then the next two Wednesdays
0: following Christmas. Tomorrow night, absolutely, the, we're featuring Annunciation Radio. So you hear Deacon Mike share at the very beginning a story. So the pivot point, Steph, we're going to pray in just a moment here. But the pivot point is speaking of this beautiful pyramidal structure we call the burning bush. I experienced this first in the Bronx 25 years ago, if, I, if my dates are right. And uh, I was living with Father Benedict Rochelle I had uh, been evangelizing all over the country for um, Steubenville, and I had experienced... Um, experienced this uh, structure. I was invited by our guest tonight, Joe Campo, to come and help chaperone uh, in the inner city Bronx. And I'm not going to tell you this story. We do have an entire program about it with others who were present and actually some articles that have been written about this. But I call it a Eucharistic miracle. And uh, in a sense, um, small m miracle, but maybe even a bigger m miracle in that it involved two gang members and I use that word maybe loosely, but groups of guys who were adamantly uh, opposed to each other, who were at each other's throats, if you will, literally. And uh, in the context of uh, f- one of the priests, one of the friars, processing with this burning bush after saying, proclaiming that gospel about all who touched Jesus' cloak will be healed. The woman who touched Jesus' cloak, he processed with the monstrance throughout this group of teenagers in this summer, in the Bronx, in this gym. And uh, I saw one of the gang members touch this and just buckle, just overwhelming, you know, waves of sorrow, uh, sadness. And I saw the other guy, his... Uh, enemy come across the room and just come over and hug him. And it was a moment of just profound um, grace, blessing, miracle. I don't know how to put it, that these two groups that have been at each other's throats for so long, we saw reconciliation right there in the presence of Jesus. That took place for me 25 years ago, and it was the occasion for me, uh, after thinking maybe I'm called to the priesthood and uh, studying for the Diocese of Peoria, brought it to Mount 2000, initiated Mount 2000. But I discovered all of that. Um, in the Bronx uh, at this Youth 2000 that was being led by our guest tonight. We're going to go to that story in a second, but let's pray right now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Dear Lord Jesus, you meet us all where we're at right now. You want us to keep it real. You don't want us to present our idealized self or the way we would like to be so much. God, you see the truth of our nature and you love us anyways. You want to heal us anyways. You want us to open up those parts of ourselves that you fashioned for yourself. And so, Lord, maybe many right now are listening, uh, and like me, maybe not feeling quite at home here in this place. Maybe not quite at home, even in our own homes. And you want to affirm us, God, that, that some of that is by design, because we were not made for this place. We are pilgrims. We are strangers We're made for another place, God, and while you're present to us here, body, blood, soul, and divinity, we yearn for that time of your second coming, of that complete restoration, that fulfillment of our heart's desire, that intimacy. We thank you for Joe, who's with us tonight, who's going to share with us uh, just his own journey a little bit and share with us the beauty of communicating this in story, in powerful, impactful story. And Lord, we pray that as we, we share the story, our stories tonight, and Joe shares his story, that we become mindful that you're working out each of us and we're starring characters in our own ultimate drama with a host of heavenly angels and saints looking on and rallying for us you want us to awaken god to that ultimate purpose in our lives this intimacy with you and in you with all others all is possible tonight god we proclaim that Mm -hmm. we proclaim restoration in marriages we proclaim restoration in friendships we proclaim restoration in our communities we proclaim lord that this kingdom come you would not ask us to pray that if you are not going to provide the means to fulfill it. We ask all of this in your name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son. In the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So before we bring up my brother Joe here, so blessed. Here's a brother that I met roughly 25 years ago. And to kind of bring you to the end of the story, and then we'll go back, um, he is a masterful producer of amazing films. You may have heard of Fishers of Men, which the USCCB used as a primary powerful film to tell the story of vocation. Um, of course, the human experience, very, very powerful mm-hmm. film chronicling uh, lives, a journey of some young men in the St. Francis home who were on a quest to discover their identity and be reunited with their dad, who they hadn't seen since they were little kids. One of them, I think, hadn't even seen them, and they traveled throughout the world, literally. Uh, powerful st- story there. Uh, Mary's Meals story, Child, child 31. 31. Yeah. 31 minutes long, super powerful, one of the most amazing productions I've ever seen. Nice. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing their new movie, Outcast. So it is really um, a, just a blessing to see these movies. You could purchase them, certainly. Um, I think some of them might be on Netflix or Amazon. Joe can tell some more about that. But with all of that, adieu. Welcome, Joe Campo, all the way from the Bronx. How are Woo-hoo-hoo. you, brother?
2: Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm actually in Brooklyn.
0: Okay, we'll go with that, Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Don't call a Brooklyner
1: from the Bronx,
2: right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I can't believe it's 25 years. My goodness, I was thinking before I got on with you tonight, how many years has it been? So I'm glad you answered that question for me because uh, a lot's happened in 25 years, wouldn't you say?
0: Absolutely. Uh, amazing. Yeah.
2: And thanks for reminding me of that fantastic story of the young men in the Bronx. Mm. I mean, when you, when you were telling the story, I was picturing the whole thing right back in my head again. It was just beautiful, wasn't it?
0: It was. I have shivers going down my spine. And, you know, Joe, for me back then, came from a faithful Catholic family. But if you were to ask youth ministers, you know, how are you going to impact youth today? This is the big question. How are you going to impact adults today? You know, I, I would have thought, well, you need this great book or this great message or this powerful speaker. Mm-hmm. You need to have the multimedia none of that was present. It was Jesus yeah, yeah. in the Eucharist reaching the most unlikely of people with the the profound simplicity of His presence. But um, yeah. So anyways, let's back up a little bit and uh, maybe begin just in a few minutes, if you will. How did you come, uh, Joe, to really kind of know Jesus Christ and live in your Catholic faith? Because I assume you didn't come out of the womb that way, or maybe you did, but it no. traces the story up to the point of uh, maybe where we
2: meet. No, I mean, I, I always had a very... Uh, strong belief and profound belief in God. Mm. Always, I, I was the oddball in my family, quite frankly, mm. and so I was the type of kid who never, who could never pass a church without stopping in, always oh. knowing it was God's house, you know. So I, but but uh, you know, I grew up in the I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, mm. and
3: so
2: um, you know, you take a left turn, if you will, <laughs> you know, the whole culture. and and. Yeah, we took, I took that left turn went over the bridge, you know. But I found my way, <laughs> Brooklyn But bridge. I found my way back. But I found my way back uh, through a very profound spiritual experience in Medjugorje. Mm. Just that simple. That's how I met the friars. That's how I became friends with Father Benedict. And, mm. and that's what brought me to Youth 2000. I had a profound experience at 11 p.m. at night on August 15th, the Feast of the Assumption. Yes. And knew that I should never, ever, ever turn back. And... After explaining my experience to Father Benedict, he had said to me, Joe, don't look back. Mm. And Greg, Stephanie, I never did. Mm, Praise God. Never did. You know, he gave me that strength. And he gave me that courage uh, mm-hmm. to do that. I don't think it was something I would be able to just do on my own. Mm-hmm. But I never did look back. And that's when he kind of handed me the St. Francis home. And out of the St. Francis <laughs> home... Only he could
1: do, right? You, you can imitate him if you want. Family.
2: I mean, listen, I, Joseph, I live in Brooklyn. take the St. Francis home. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I live in Brooklyn, but I didn't grow up in Brooklyn. I, I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up in the woods. Mm. You know? So to come here was not the kind of thing I had in mind. Actually, after my conversion experience, I really believed I was going to go to a third-world country, maybe learn a new language and help people that way. Mm -hmm. Never did I ever believe I'd be going to Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And that was 27 years ago. Wow. So two years before I met you. 27 years. We've had about 300 young men come through this house, but everything that I did through this house extended out to other ministries. Example, Youth 2000. When that was born here, when I brought that to the, to the east coast of the United States here, I had all the young men who were living in the house work youth 2000s.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me pause so, you a second, Joe, just for our listeners. My apologies. So the Francis Home is a place. Who, who What is that all about in a word?
2: Well, it's a, it's a home that Father Benedict started back in 1967 for young men who need a second chance in life? Mm-hmm. That's what he told me. And when I got into the house, it was second, third, fourth, right. fifth, sixth, seventh chance in life. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the last stop. This mm-hmm. was the lifeboat. You mm-hmm. know, and so I've been uh, I've been playing the sort of surrogate father here all of those years, mm-hmm. and getting young men back. It's a highly structured environment, mm-hmm. and actually, we had two houses over the last. Uh, 27 years, where I had 15 guys living in community, and we also had a chapel in the house with the Blessed Sacrament. Matter of fact, Father Benedict asked me one time, "Joe, how do you do this so well?" Mm. I said, "Father, we have the Blessed Sacrament upstairs." He goes, "Oh, that's right, that's right,
0: that's right." <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> As if you couldn't be an answer to the question of how of, of, of its excellence, right? It's got to be something more than you. It's got to be Jesus. Huh?
3: was
2: Jesus the whole time you know and so when when i when i took over the uh, when i brought youth 2000 here i had all the boys in the house learn their catechism through youth 2000 mm. see when they were coming to the retreats they were coming to set up help with the band, help with security, everything, because, you know, Greg, we, we could have 200 kids in the Bronx, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It could, we could be in dangerous situations, but these young men who come through the house have already experienced that and looking to do mm-hmm. well with their lives. So we get them in school. We get them the uh, medical attention that they need, and more than anything at all, they learn about christ and so through the blessed sacrament through the youth two thousand retreats these young men many of them uh... you know had conversions and today these young men who came here as you know teenagers are married They have children, they own houses, they own cars. These are young men who were homeless at one time, who spent a very long time in prison. Mm-hmm. You know? But through the Blessed Sacrament, through this house, through the teachings, and through the work that we do here, they were open to it. You see, I believe they were always searching. You know? I, I just had to teach them they were searching for God. Mm-hmm. And, and once they found Him, they realized that was the answer. To everything. That was the answer to the forgiveness, the people that they had to forgive in their lives who hurt them. Most of these young men, they're great guys. I used to tell Father Benedict all the time, I got the greatest guys in the world living in the house. Mm-hmm. I got the greatest guys. They just came from families that hurt them. Mm-hmm. They're not bad guys. They did bad things. You know? mm-hmm. But not, they just needed another way. And the, this home provided another way. And so the Youth 2000... Really, really catapulted them into a new life.
0: So, I'm going to pause you for another uh, moment here. So, Youth 2000, folks, I believe Armstrong, I forget her first name. What is the first name? The woman who brought it to Texas. Maybe she initiated it. But, anyways. That was Anne Brawley. I'm sorry, Anne Brawley. I'm getting. uh, So, uh, um, explain, give us, uh, if you will, a a portrait of what Youth 2000 is about, what it looks like.
2: Sure. Yeah, Youth 2000 is a uh, three day Eucharistic centered retreat for young people from the ages of 15 through 30, if you will. And at that retreat, after three days, uh, you get an instructional mass. You learn how to pray the rosary. You learn what the sacraments are. You learn about all the sacraments. Mm -hmm. And you get a chance to participate uh, in the Mass, if you will. Uh, just because you 're there you 're now participating you 're part of the mass, and people learn that and you know when you have an instructional mass and you have the Blessed Sacrament exposed for that amount of time that 's what I call radiation therapy. Yes. Something has to happen amen, amen. you know and you, you, and you already have an audience who 's searching they 're adolescents they 're already searching and and through the Blessed Sacrament, through the teachings, through the slowing down and calming down and the Eucharistic procession, through all of that, you get an opportunity to slow down, to have quiet time, and to think, think, Mm -hmm. and to reflect, which turns into a meditation. Mm -hmm. At some point, something happens with young people on a three-day retreat like this with the blessed sacrament exposed where they reach deep into the heart and soul they find out who they are who made them they find out that there is a god and they're not him you know
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, and there is an answer there is an answer uh... to to all of these problems to all of these problems and you know we never have some pie in the sky thing i mean we never tell people you're going to be you this is going to be healed we tell them that there's going to be a miracle Mm -hmm. And they find out it's them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They find out it's them. They go home. They go home. And they evangelize their own families. And so a lot of the talks are given by the friars and young people. So, you know, you have a repertoire of the youth evangelizing youth. Mm-hmm. So it's a, hopefully for most people it's a big spiritual awakening.
1: You know, what struck me as you were talking, Joe, was I was blessed to be at a Youth 2000 um, in Columbus, which I think was like 1993, maybe, Mm -hmm. Um, and very powerful, very powerful. As you were, you know, describing the event and talking about time to think and just that quiet, I can't imagine that they're even more powerful in today's culture because it seems like there's less and less with cell phones and devices and the earbuds in all the time that it, that quiet time has to stand out even more in today's youth culture.
2: We're on overload. Yeah. Everyone's on overload. Stephanie, I have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning in order to have at least an hour or two mm-hmm. of silence. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I get up at five mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. I have a fireplace. I turn on my fire. Do my prayers. I don't even, I don't even open up the window shades,
3: mm.
2: in order to get that time, that time yeah. with God yeah. and Our Lady, mm-hmm. and to meditate. That's awesome. And even if I go to even if I go to the mass at eight o'clock in the morning. By the time I get there, I'm already frazzled.
1: Right. Wow. <laughs> right. Isn't that something? You're frazzled.
2: Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. You're frazzled. So I, I, I have a new, I have a new way of doing things, you know, and I've been just doing it now for the last few months, and it's working. I'm up at five, and I look forward to it. Mm. As a matter of fact. <laughs> People think I'm crazy because I'm laughing when I'm going to bed. What are you doing? I can't wait to get up at five. I'm like, who says that? Yeah, right? Like, well, I, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm saying that, and there's a reason for it, and it works. Yeah, you know, beautiful. so I recommend it. Get up I'm early. Right. So the early to bed, early to rise
0: thing uh, is, that, is that.
2: That's is that's it. Poignant. That's it, Greg.
0: So, folks, you're tuned into to Ignite Radio Live. We're very blessed to have Joe Campo with us, and we're he's sharing a little bit of his journey. Um, certainly, back in 1967, Father Benedict handed off to him the St. Francis home, a uh, home four boys really kind of last opportunity in society he's talking about the powerful transformation that takes place in the presence of christ the power of our catholic faith not just chalkboard heady noetic conceptual stuff but encounter with christ who truly transforms us and folks if this can happen with these kinds of kids from the backgrounds that they're coming from it ought to make us all the more maybe ask the question because we're all broken uh, the degree to which God wants to enter our lives. This this Advent season, anticipating that uh, and His coming. So what's beautiful, uh, 25 years ago I shared uh, my first encounter with the burning bush. It was so impactful. Um, I brought it with me to Mount 2000 or the Mount St. Mary's Emmitsburg, studying for the priesthood there, and uh, they rallied around it. So a little bit of a child, if you will, of Youth 2000 has been this Mount 2000, uh, which has drawn, whatever, 1,500 to 2,000 people every year now since, so it must have been like nineteen. 94, so, it's probably 23 years or so that that's been going on. And the friars are part of that initial experience, which is a breakout. And then God calling uh, Stephanie and I, of course, down the road after the fact, she makes it clear she's not it the one who not drew know me him from. In exactly. Seminary. So, don't, nobody <laughs> write bad letters to us. Um, no, we brought the burning bush to um, the Diocese of Erie, and it was woven into our youth, young adult, uh, I'll say diocesan transformational experience. And um, very much part of everything we did. And certainly, those of you in our diocese, Diocese now know it very well, ignites throughout this entire region. Hundreds of ignites have taken place. Tens of thousands of people have participated in this burning bush. You're hearing the guy who kind of introduced it to me. And um, somewhere along the line in Erie, PA, I called up Joe and I said, Hey, Joe, you know, um, you guys just, I get to survive and kind of maybe pay some bills, you know, have a craft. And that craft is making crosses at the time. And so um, I'm not sure how new that was, Joe, but that was, you know, the first follow-up with you um, in Erie, PA, and saying, okay, I want to buy hundreds of these crosses to use as sort of an icon, especially to know that they're handmade. So trace for us, if you will, the evolution in the St. Francis home uh, from cross-making to (laughs) movie-making.
2: (laughs) <laughs> hadn't thought of it.
1: Maybe that one way. in it's the same, exactly. right? To a different but cross. Maybe one in the same.
2: <laughs> it's what happened, you know. I'm a strong believer in change, and I'm strong, uh, and 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 I also believe that everyone's an individual. And so, when we were making the crosses, that was specifically part of the program here to know where everybody was at the same time. You know, mm. <laughs> that's uh, smart. Was, what a smart
1: was, dad you are.
2: <laughs> it was a tough group, you know, and not everybody. Not everybody was paying attention all the time, you know, so it was also a little bit scary because we had all kinds of saws and things going on. <laughs> but at the same time, I was able to speak about Christ while we were making these little crosses, keeping everybody busy, and then the fact that I wanted to show them that you could make something that someone else will value,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, which makes you valuable. And each one that you make, done by your hands, will be blessed. And you will bless other people because of this. So the work became very important. And um, people were donating wood to me. I mean, I didn't know what to do with the wood after a while, you know. (laughs) Build an ark. Yeah, well, it's been done. It's been done. (laughs) So we we did that for quite a few years, and and it worked out very, very well. And there was a lot of other things that were connected to doing that. That's why I'm going to give you a little background, you know. But the filmmaking thing with grassroots films, you know, I've I've, I've been – A photographer more than more than half my life and you know i always wanted to make films as well and we got a couple of young guys in the house here that were very talented you know i believe that uh, god gives everybody at least one talent Mm -hmm. and i I think he also gave me the ability or the grace to recognize that talent and bring that talent out of the person and they would become who they are maybe even who they were created to be Mm -hmm. and so um... We had an opportunity to make a little film on the St. Francis house. And when I did things, we always did it in community. So I got everybody together in the house. And these young men that I had on this this next group were, uh, before they came here, they were actually models. Wow. They were actually models. In Europe, they were very young. But I got them out. They wanted to live here, so I said, no models in my house. (laughs) If you want to live in this house, you call up your agent right now and you tell your agent throw my phone number away. Mm. And they did. And I promised them that if you do that, that God will bless you in some other way. I did not know at that time when I was telling these two guys this that they were going to wind up in the film business because they hadn't been born yet, you know? Mm. But basically that's what happened. And they wound up in the human experience. Mm. I don't want to say who they are because they really don't want other people to... They'll be embarrassed. and leave it at that. Uh, At any rate, um, we got everybody together and... We made a film about the St. Francis House, and it was good. Mm. I mean, we did it with a little handy cam camera, you know, one of those $600 mm. cameras. Yep. And so right now I said, okay, you're a director, you're a producer, you're a writer, you're a gaffer. What's that? Look it up. We're all, we're all homeschooled. Get the books out. So everybody was homeschooled, and we made this little film, and it was about them. And, you know, who at a young age wouldn't want to be involved mm. in a film? Beautiful. They're a bunch of hams, anyway. Yes. You know, and you know these guys have been through hell, so they have a great sense of humor. You know, they, right. the other side of it is a great sense of humor. Yeah, very real. I like to bring that out. You know, we make this film on the St. Francis House. I show it to Father Benedict, and he's blown away. Mm. Totally blown away. Now, our home, the St. Francis Home, survives strictly on donations. We're the same as you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we're five hundred one c three two. So anything that comes to the house. We have to raise the money. Well, I wanted to use this film to raise the money. It was so well done. They liked it. We had talent. The guys looked good. We had the right music. It was edited beautifully. The first thing we ever did, it winds up on EWTN, and I wind up getting, a, you know, like a pound of mail. It's mm. awesome. And it was full of checks. That's beautiful. And I said, Father Benedict, look at all this money. I said, what do you want me to do with it? And he looked at me, he goes, what do you want to do with it? Because I'm giving the money to him. Mm. He said, what do you want to do with it? He goes, you have any ideas, any plans? I said, yeah, I'd like to buy some more equipment and make another movie. Mm. He said, really? Who's going to watch your movie?
0: (laughs) Thanks for the support, Father. (laughs) Yeah. What year is this, by the way, Joe? What year are we talking here?
2: Oh, geez. Let's go back to 2000. Okay. Maybe a little bit earlier. Yeah, no, 2000. We'll say 2000. Okay. And so um, I said, well, I don't know, I just really think that we can do it so well that, you know, everybody will want to watch it. He said, buy your camera. <laughs> so listen to this, though. This is a, Something else had happened during that same week. I needed like $25,000 for editing equipment. At that time, that's what it, that's what it cost. Mm. And we didn't have that. And I knew that I couldn't start without that as well. And so Father Benedict said to me, look, if you really want to see God's involved with your project, start it with no money. Mm. And we'll know. A week later, a a gentleman that I know, he wasn't my friend, I just knew him, came knocking on my door in my office and said, listen, I've got to talk to you. It's very important. The Lord won't let me sleep at night. Mm. So I thought I was doing a counseling session, right? Right. (laughs) I said, sure, sit down, no problem. Close the door. He said, listen... The Lord wants me to give you, like, $25,000. Mm. I don't know why, but awesome. all I know is that I can't sleep until I give you this. Mm. I said,
0: really? Awesome providence.
2: He said, I don't need, I, Joe, I don't know what you need the money for, but I know you need it. Mm. And I just need to write out a check, just tell me to who. Wow. At that time, I hadn't even formed a corporation yet, Grassroots wow. wow. I said, well, look, you know, I told him what I wanted to do with it. He said, great. I said, but here's the thing. If you give me $25,000, you leave here. You never gave that to me. You don't own the company. You have nothing to say about anything. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
2: This, is, this is a total gift from you,
3: mm-hmm.
2: from God. And we are the stewards of that gift. And we will get what we need, what we think we need. We have to have freedom. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have to have our freedom in order yep. to create. And he said, just tell me who to make it out to. We formed the corporation. He sent me the money. We bought the system.
0: We were in business. We were in business that's fabulous Joe you and I and I want you to trace it to maybe the next big move but you're already identifying at least one attribute uh, a couple key attributes that I think one might find uh, an, an analogy if you will in leadership in the church leadership in faith leadership is Christians which is throughout the whole world so number one is uh, what is God calling me to do and trusting him and praying through it and taking the step on the water I mean you took the step on the water and uh and God he he is unlimited in his resources. We may not have it, but he's got it. And you are patiently, prayerfully seeking to do that. It wasn't about you, it wasn't about your name. And the cool thing is secondarily you're inviting him to do the same, the the benefactor. inviting him to see, you know, hey, I we gotta get our mitts out of this thing, you know. We've got to allow God, you're steward of God's vision and allowing that to happen. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, you and I have talked early on uh, about how important that is. When people have an excellence in something, especially those working in the church, just if they've got the right heart, if they're orthodox, if they've got the skill set, if they've got the vision, let them do it. So that's pretty yeah, awesome. let them do it. You that's pretty awesome.
2: And, and I think it needs to be done with sincerity, mm-hmm. and that has to come through. And I believe God loves a generous heart. I believe God loves a sincere heart. And, um, and I think those are the elements. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's our faith. Listen, mm-hmm. if, if, if this was successful, thank you, Lord. If this failed, thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. What's next? Mm-hmm. It, was never my, it was never my project. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's why it did as well as it did. Mm-hmm. Because awesome. God anointed it. God blessed it. Look, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was, you know, I don't want to become famous. Mm-hmm. Don't. Never my, or if I wanted to make a million dollars, you know, I could make a slasher movie tomorrow. Right. right. But I could make that money. That was never it. It was never That was never it. What it was is about bringing Christ. It was about evangelization. And, you know, during this time, we had JP, too. Mm-hmm. And he was an artist as well. Yes. And so he understood how the artist could uh, just make an impact I mean, look, there's no denying the fact that films create culture.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so films are made, uh, you know, from the culture as well. And, and and you know, we shouldn't be surprised at all of what's going on in Hollywood. We shouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course that's going to come out. Garbage in, garbage out. What can right. I tell you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know Amen. what I'm saying? Right. What can I right. say to you? Garbage in, Ooh. garbage out. Eventually, it's going to hit the fan. Yeah. And we must be patient and truly believe that what we're doing, we're specifically doing it to give honor and glory mm-hmm. to God. And JP2 knew that as an artist, and he was into it big time. And this was also a big push for us, knowing that our Pope was an artist. Mm-hmm. Left brain and right brain. Beautiful. That's insanity sometimes. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: You know, there's another piece here that one can't, uh, can't escape in um, experiencing your film works, and I'm looking forward to just queuing you up to take us to the next step. But that is realism. And we talked about real presence. And uh, in the street they used to talk about keeping it real. And uh, I think, I don't know, I think Catholics in particular might be crippled in trying to keep it real and, uh, and maybe in art, music, and other ways, we, we, we think real is replicating the popular guy we hear on the radio or the popular conventions. And you guys, honestly, you, you gave witness to the fact that being real is digging deep and discovering our own unique, edgy, real, authentic stuff that's a mix of virtue and vice, battling it out, designed for God. On some stage. I mean, is, you know, tell me, Joe, uh, as you take us to the next step, are there some fundamentals um, that, that you would share with us that are essential to art uh, from a Catholic perspective that oh, you've kind I, of I, abided by?
2: You know, I, I'm glad you asked me that question. And I hope I don't sound cynical, because I'm not.
0: You're keeping it real. That's why but, you didn't
2: pay the big, bu- big bucks tonight. But, but there's a big but here, you know? And the but is this, is that Catholics... Have had the best art, and we still do on the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the planet, mm. what happened? What happened? It's what you just said. You know, and I believe it was infiltrated mm. on purpose. Mm. So here's here's the wow. thing: Christians and Catholics at this point in time, when you look at a Christian film. Most of the time, you will already know what the ending is in the first five minutes. Hmm. That's right. All the people in the film are very nice. Yes. <laughs> I don't know those people. No. I don't live with those people. I don't share in those kind of problems. So, if you watch something that we put together, we as in grassroots films, you don't know what the ending is going to be. You don't know what the ending's going to be for your life. I don't know what the ending's going to be for my life. We're not all those nice people out there. We deal with problems on a daily basis. And I like to bring that to the screen. I like to show people the authenticity of the human person and how important each one of us are and how unique each one of us are. And in the Christian film, they're all the same. Mm -hmm. They're all nice people. Yeah. You know, I've been writing a script for the last, I don't know how many years, and it's called, What's Wrong with the Right Family? <laughs> everything goes right with them in the beginning, and then everything goes wrong with them. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. It's like our lives, Greg, yes, you know? Right, right. we're talking <laughs>
0: Shakespeare. This is tragedy.
2: <laughs> it's tragedy in all of our lives. And you know what? If you're Christ-centered, you know, your life might not get better, but you'll certainly get through it. Yes. And suicide is not an option, right. you know? Yep. <laughs> right. Abortion is not an option. Right. These are not options. Right. These are not good for us or anyone else. You know. So uh, what I like to do is bring a certain amount of, of, of authenticity. What is really real. And this new film that's coming out, Outcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you look at the trailer, you know, it's it's really for ages. You know, well, I don't know about ages, but like ninth grade and up. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't show this to a twelve year old. Mm-hmm. And and it's a film that could be R rated. The Friars are in it. But it's real.
0: Mm.
2: But it's real. God love the friars.
0: That's awesome. And so,
2: you know, we could change the culture Mm. through filmmaking, through music. We can change the culture. We can change people's hearts. It's undeniable, the power of art. Mm. It's undeniable. And so if we're going to do this, and we're going to do it for Christ, we should do it first class. That's right. Or don't do it at all. That's right.
0: Amen. You know,
2: or don't do it at all.
0: And be willing to advocate for that too, and that's a key thing you've uh, you know reinforced. I don't have taught me, certainly I might give you that credit, but reinforced that uh, if we want excellence I mean, excellence has a price, and it's not about being rich. It's not about any of that. But, you know, too often, I hate to say it, you know, my, my brother's uncle's sister kind of knows a little bit about web, so we're going to have her do the website. Or, hey, Billy just got a new camera. We're going to let him do the video. Uh, well, God bless them in their journey. But uh, for experts, Catholics need yeah, to be... But they
2: might able... not be experts. They're, they're nice people.
0: Exactly. Well, that's you know, my like point. To... That's my point.
2: Yeah, I, la- I, I like to bring those people on and teach them. Right. If they want, you know, if they want if to learn. Open, want right. to...
0: If they're open, right, if they're open, to learn. And,
2: and it's like, you know, when you get into this, it's not a 9-to-5 job, as you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I get my best ideas at like 3 o'clock in the morning. You don't want to live in my head. Right. <laughs> but that's where they are, and that's where you start writing them down.
0: Mm. Unexpected. You know, and that's... Not convenient. What's that? Unexpected and not convenient. But yeah, God breaks in. The... Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Our Lord's not wearing a watch.
0: It <laughs> could come at any time.
2: And so, you know, you want to be prepared for that as best as you possibly can, as best as you can, you know.
0: So, Joe, take us to the next. You had this, uh, you know, a couple guys who came on board and um, introduced, if you will, film. It touched a passion that was in your heart. You had camera familiarity, maybe even some expertise, and at least still want to do films. Um, You did this St. Francis thing. You have Father Benedict there, who's a good father uh, for you and a big brother for you. And um, you, you posed to him that you wanted to do films. What was the next step?
2: Yeah, well, the next step was uh, we were out doing a film on our own. It was a Eucharistic procession in New York City. and it's called God on the Streets of New York. It's a three-minute film that I put together. I was producing it. I had the guys doing it. We, it. we shot it for about 60 hours and brought it down to about three minutes. And while we're doing that, I meet a priest who says to me, hey, listen, um, want to do a film for the USCCB? <laughs> He goes. Are you really busy? I said, "We're not too busy for the USCCB." <laughs> and Fishers of Men" was born. Hmm. But I have to tell you, when I specifically told them in the very, they told me what they wanted, to, you know, how they wanted this film to go, and I, I said, "Well, uh, you know, I, I can't do that." Hmm. You know, yep. and they were like, yep. "Joe." What do you mean you can't do that? I said, no, 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 I can't do that. I said, what you're talking about is something that no one will watch twice. Mm-hmm. And I want to I make a film. You know, I want to do something that people are going to remember. I want to do something that non-Catholics are going to like. Mm-hmm. Like, it's big. It's universal. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And I already had this in mind. I said, well, what I'd like to do is have a car go down the road, flip the car over. A kid gets thrown out. His friends come running up to him, the car's on fire, burning in the background, and he dies. But before he dies, a priest sees him, runs out of his car, gives him his last rites, and the kid goes to heaven. He goes, they'll never go for that. (laughs) I said, why not? It's a great idea, you know?
0: Have you been watching (laughs) Hollywood lately?
2: (laughs) Yeah. He goes, no, 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 they'll never go for that. They'll never go for that. I said, okay, well, I'll do it without you. (laughs) you know." And they jumped on board anyway. And we were able to, they trusted me, and I was able to shoot that scene. I I closed a quarter mile of the Seafood Oyster Bay Expressway off to shoot this scene. And it's a big part of the film, Mm -hmm. but it's not the whole film. Mm -hmm. But no one ever expected to get a vocational film with a dramatic piece in it. And it was very real, and it was a true story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was a true story, and it was a little boy. Watching the priest give the last rites who eventually becomes a priest because of the example of the priest.
3: Mm, yeah.
2: And so, and that was partly true. But, you know, we're making a movie. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, so, so uh, because they were true stories and it worked, everything in my films really happened
3: mm.
2: in some time, you know, uh, to someone or something mm. like that. Mm. So they're very, very real. They're very close, our, very close to our hearts. They could come alive because they are alive.
3: Mm.
2: You know, and so um, that that did very well. Fisher's did very well. Actually, it's going to be re-released.
0: Is it? When you yeah, say re-released, released. with some uh, updates or just... No, there's not they even print in it, but it, new print It's going to go to
2: print again, and they're going to gotcha. be able to sell DVDs, and you'll get it on VOD gotcha. and, and so forth awesome. again. So
0: You know, Father David's in our neck of the woods. I don't know if his name has been changed, but actually, I think he moved again. He's with... Uh, Bishop uh, Rhodes, he was in South Bend, and then he's—I think he's in Michigan mm. or something. But godly, good, good brother. At the time when I was there, I think he was just brother, brother uh, David Engo. Um, yeah, I, David Engo. So uh, you, you came across him at some points. You—you you got to meet all these great characters. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, well, it's just—I so, knew him.
2: I knew him before he joined the Friars,
0: which is cool. Wait, so he's the he guy in the David. car. He's the guy in the car who uh, kind of plays the the role of the the little boy, maybe.
2: No, no, no. He's not. He's not. But tells a story. Um, being, Okay. Yeah, yeah, he just tells part of the story. He tells part of the story. Actually, he's wearing a a collar. He's he's diocesan at that time. Okay. Yeah, we got some diocesan priests in there, you know. I mean, we needed to. (laughs) We needed to.
0: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. So move us forward. Um, I feel like we could have many hours here. There's so many questions that I want to ask. Uh, But I, I do think that this theme of film and uh, just being true to what God gave gave us and bringing it to life. And, of course, we discover, as Pope John Paul II, the rhapsodic theater, that all stories and dramas are, are really kind of connectors of us seeing ourselves as actors and the ultimate drama of knowing God. And I think one can't help but do that in your films. You you know, you, We discover ourselves in some fashion. It moves us in some ways. Um, I suspect that the human experience is coming uh, maybe up here next.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you? Would you, did you want to t- talk about that? Yeah,
0: is that, was that the film that happened after Fishers' and Men? Yeah,
2: that was the, that was the next one that came right after that. Um, it's it's actually about the boys here at the St. Francis home, and it's about searching for the meaning of life, like all of us. It wasn't a difficult subject, quite frankly. But what what was difficult was taking you through people's lives mm-hmm. and a personal look into their lives and suffering, great suffering. Mm-hmm. All of them, great suffering. Four boys from the house were actually quote unquote stars in the movie, but because it was a documentary, they're not really stars. You, you mm-hmm. know, they, they 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 played themselves. live. They weren't they weren't actors. Everyone got to play themselves. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the deals I made with all the boys is, if they wanted to be in the film, that no matter what happens, I will not turn off the cameras. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, what? And they all agreed to it even though the arguments broke out during the filming and so forth. Uh, turn off that camera right now. Turn off that camera. I said, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. And I said, whatever you do, guys, don't turn off the cameras. Mm-hmm. Deal's a deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what the human experience actually is, and I don't think I've said this to many people, is that it's something that was really behind the scenes. It's a behind-the-scenes movie. Mm-hmm. It's everything you would normally not see in a movie. Mm. Right. Mm. You know, personal look into these guys' lives yep, yep. who, you know, lived in a group home, got together, called themselves family, and went on this journey. And each location that I took them to identified with a particular problem that one of the young men had. Mm. And I'll take you through that real quick. Please one do. of the boys' mom, one of the moms' uh, boy died, uh, his mom died of AIDS. And um, so we took him uh, in Africa, where a woman was dying of AIDS, to a whole colony of people. Mm -hmm. And he had a chance to speak to her as if it was his own mother. Mm -hmm. Because he never had a chance to speak to his mother before she died. Mm -hmm. He was only nine years old at the time. So there's a whole story on on Matthew. And one of the boys has, his left arm is shorter than his right arm. And he had to go through life, people staring at him. Mm -hmm. That's actually my son, Michael. Mm -hmm. We took him to a leper colony, Mm -hmm. and he identified with the lepers. And there was a healing there, Mm -hmm. a tremendous healing. And Jeffrey and Cliff were homeless. Mm -hmm. So we had them live in the streets of New York City, homeless Mm -hmm. for a week, when it was 20 below zero in boxes. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable experience. And they identified with the homeless. Mm-hmm. And so we put all of these stories together. And I don't like to tell the ending, but like you said earlier, one of the boys hadn't seen his dad in ten years, and so there had to be some sort of reconciliation. Because my idea for the film was for him to be reunited with his dad. So, you know, I, I, that's the first thing I shot in the film was I shot the ending to mm-hmm. see. You know, we had a, a big ending. Mm-hmm. And we did. Awesome. And we did. And everyone who watches these characters can in some way, somehow, identify with them, Mm -hmm. with those problems in some way someone wants to be tall if they're short they want to be short if they're tall they want to have black hair if mm-hmm. they want you know everybody likes the opposite of what they have and you can identify with michael that way mm-hmm. everyone has lost someone in their family very close to them through uh through uh, a, a, you know people die you know whether it's a tragic death or not you know they were identifying that with with matthew and people have a tremendous amount of loss and the breakup of the family. Mm-hmm. And so for those boys to not see their dad for that many years and to suffer the abuse that they did, many people can identify with that on many different levels.
3: Awesome.
2: So we, we, brought, we brought your problems, not you in particular, but the problems that, that are in society to the screen, and we told the story through the eyes of these young people. And... This is the way you tell a story. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful.
1: Absolutely. We were so blessed. Um, you had graciously invited us to one of the uh,
0: premieres. premieres, red carpet events. That's right, in New York. <laughs> Joe um, coming out of his limo. With Not those
1: guys. And, there
0: was no limo. No. <laughs> in the school gym. Well, a couple of um, wheels were falling off. but yeah.
1: No, it was just very powerful. Father Benedict was there and mm-hmm. you know, number of the friars and... Um, that was our first seeing of it, right, Greg? Yep. You know, of course, and just very, very, very beautiful. And each time we've seen it since, it just takes you to a different place, and mm. the Lord
2: uses it. You know, Stephanie, what's really interesting is that the boys that are in the film, they made the film as well, they've never been out of their own zip code. Mm. Mm. Wow. This film has wow. literally taken them to 27 countries.
3: Right. Wow.
2: Yeah, they went to at least 27 countries. To show the film and do a question and answer at the end.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, folks, we're with uh, Joe Campo, Grassroots Films. You can find out more. just want to let you folks who are listening right now, grassrootsfilms.com. And Joe is talking about a film called The Human Experience. You can certainly, I assume, purchase it there at grassrootsfilms.com. You could probably find it on Amazon also. I can't recommend it more highly. Any of you folks listening out there, uh, whatever, you know, I'll say age, maybe even middle school, um, 7th, 8th grade, I don't know if you would caution me against that, Joe. But we watched it with our older children and found it to be very, very powerful. It puts you in the seat uh, of our own unveiling drama. So, um, Joe, from there, we had uh, what Mary's Meals, uh, child 31. Mm-hmm. Which uh, you know just you would, just when you thought you couldn 't go further with with, with let 's face it a rel- by Hollywood standards, a very low budget film, but with packed with realism, packed with authenticity, I like the word yeah, authenticity just and just you know realism encounter there 's no sap or saccharine. you 're adding in music and it 's appropriate i think it's, it 's very tastefully done how you how you weave the story it 's just really masterful anyways, so child thirty one if you can watch that film and and keep it together by the end, um, you're you know you're weaker than me. I won't say stronger than me. You're weaker than me because it's so moving. Tell us about Child Thirty One, which brought you back to Metagoria a little bit. I bet some connection yeah, yeah, there. It,
2: it, it, it did because the gentleman who runs Mary's Meals. Uh, Magnus McFarlane. Uh, I've known him for quite a few years. And I've been invited to his place in Scotland, but never was able to make it because we're always working here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was running this organization, bringing food um, to Bosnia during the war. And it grew into, uh, after the war, uh, it, it just grew into something tremendous, where he was still getting donations and food and he decided to bring it to third world countries and he was at a point where he was doing it for quite a few years and when you're working with the same people for quite a few years you know things start to level off if you will and he wanted to take this to the next level Mm -hmm. in order to take it to the next level he gave me a call and said you'd like to do a film about this you know and we were talking about it for years but it turns out that they were serious now." Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, you know, Magnus, I, I just don't want to make a film because he needs to raise more money to feed more people. It's mm-hmm. just that simple. He wasn't taking out a salary himself, and he's working out of a shed, just mm-hmm. out of a shed. And he's feeding hundreds of thousands of people in third world countries. But again, time goes on, people get tired, people leave the, the organization. It's like you need a good B-12 shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. And so well put. what I had said to him is, I do not want to make a film that says... For you know a dollar a day you can feed a family I, I don't want to ask for any money period period and he said I like your style hmm. He said I've never really asked anybody people just keep giving I said well that's when we know it's a work of God uh-huh. so anyway we made this film and um, and the reason it's called child 31 Because it tells you in the first 31 seconds how many children have died of starvation
3: Mm.
2: in the world. That's why it's named Child 31. And we take you on a journey of uh, a couple of different families and what their needs were. And we ran into a young boy by the name of Musi who was, his parents were, I believe his parents were murdered. And his uncles came and took the property the land that he was living on and he hopped on a tomato truck and went a couple of hundred miles away and wound up at this dump and we found him and we found his story what it was what he did we spoke to him and got him in the film and followed his journey around a little bit and today I believe through that film and through other means not just the film uh, I think they're feeding at least one point Two million people a day in third world countries amazing but child 31 is available you can get that I think anywhere mm-hmm. I, you know I mean it's free you can get it online you can watch it online
0: mm-hmm. we've been benefactors and have spread that um, awareness it's another organization folks that uh, is just uh, thoroughly I mean, doing great things um, low overhead etc mm-hmm. but just this model of getting people out of a cycle
1: and out of and a cycle to do of poverty
0: a, and to educate them and to truly get them on a path.
1: To do a little plug for them, too. I know now until the end of the year, they're, they have a matching donor. So you, whatever gift you give to them is doubled. So check out Mary's Meals. Um, I don't know what their website is, but I'm sure if you Googled that.
2: Mary's Meals. You
0: can't miss it. Yeah, Mary's Meals. Yeah,
2: it's, I, think, I think it's marysmeals.org. org. Right
0: here we go, so Joe. Um, it brings us all. Oh, this is so awesome, and I have so many questions. I would actually just like uh, you, human experience, just for a moment, back up. How did the concept come together? Did you know? Did, was it organic? Did you kind of architectonically at the very beginning kind of design it? Was it in conversation with the guys? Did you lay it out at the beginning, or did you rewrite it midway? Just in a yeah. word, how did it come together? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, because it's a documentary, anything can happen at any time, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, my style is don't shut the cameras off no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. Because the best shots and the best parts we're going to get are the ones that no one rehearsed. Mm -hmm. The ones that no one's looking at the camera. The ones that are authentic. Mm -hmm. The real ones. That look. And then, you know, we come back later and add the music to it. But originally, this was only going to be a 15-minute film. It's was just going to be a 15-minute wow. film wow. of the boys living in the city. Uh, not living in the city. The boys are homeless in the city. Mm. And, um, you know, it turned out so well and they did, they did so good. It was like time to take it to the next level. And so we added another guy, you know. And um, actually we added another two guys because I was able to raise enough money to get us to go to Africa.
3: Mm.
2: And... Um, we were, so we, now we wanted to take everybody to Africa and film these guys in Africa. You know, these guys are from Queens, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> They're from Brooklyn. Let's, let's go mm-hmm. to Africa. Why not? Let's go to Africa, <laughs> you know. And, you know, so many miracles happened. It's like I had a whole segment on Matthew. We didn't know that segment was really going to take place when it did. Mm-hmm. We knew that something would happen, and we trusted in God. But all of a sudden, when we told Matthew we were going to... Uh, a camp where people are dying of AIDS, specifically women. There's no men in the camp. Mm -hmm. Um, He just looked at me, he goes, and he started to cry. And I said, get the camera. Mm -hmm. Just get the camera. And it took off. And we got, on a, we got on that van, and we started talking to Matthew in the van. What do you think? Well, you know, I never got a chance to speak to my mother. Wow. You know, like he got angry, right. you know, and then he went out and he started to cry. We wow. followed him. And so, you know, it, it kind of like took off. Each piece was totally blessed.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally blessed. Yes, yes. Awesome. So, Outcasts, uh, you, you're, where are you at in the, in, the, in the production process with this? And this is obviously close to your heart. It's Father Benedict Rochelle. Tell us about Outcast.
2: Well, Outcast is a film about the outcasts in society. It's about the people that are forgotten, the people that are thrown away, the people who are victims themselves. Now, I, I have a great love for the poor, always did, ever since I was a little boy. My mother had said something to me that I never forgot when we saw a poor person. It's like when I saw a poor person for the first time, and I was like, Mommy, what's wrong? And she said, well, he's very hungry. She says, but you don't understand that because a person that has food in their stomach could never understand a man who has hunger mm-hmm. in his stomach. And that stuck with me my whole life. Mm-hmm. Only a mother's wisdom.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, that connected a whole bunch of different dots for me for the, almost for the rest of my life. Well, with this love of the poor, you know, working through the St. Francis House and working with the Friars and so much, I, I thought it would be a great idea to bring some of the, the outcasts in society to the screen and to give people an awakening or a change of heart or maybe change somebody's life in some way. So when I asked the Friars, you know, I'd like to make a film about you, the Friars, but it's really not you. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you're going to have to explain that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking and of And it was sort of like, yeah, I was like, what do you mean? I said, well, you guys don't want to make a movie, I know that, but... You know, what I do want to do is I want to get to the poor, and you can get me there. You could be the vehicle for me to get where I need to go. I'm not making a Christian Catholic film where you guys are going to be preaching. As a matter of fact, the only preaching I want in the film is from the poor people. Mm-hmm. And the friars were like, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. That sounds real good. Mm-hmm. I said, and I won't let anything go out the door unless you approve it. And they were kind to me and said, no, Joe, that's not necessary.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Whatever you do. You know, him. I'm sure it'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. That's awesome. And I said, no, it is necessary. It's necessary for my own peace of mind mm-hmm. to know that I'm on the right track. Confused. I don't know if I'm on the right track. Mm-hmm. I think I'm on the right track. I hope I'm on the right track. Mm-hmm. And I'm praying I'm on the right track. Mm-hmm. That does not mean I'm on the right track yet, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, this film really, uh, yeah, we, we go to five countries with this film, and we visit people that you already know people that you met in the gospel. And I wanted the gospel to come alive. I wanted you to meet a prostitute. Mm. And you do in this film. I wanted you to visit someone in jail. But not just any jail. A jail in Honduras. Mm. One where the people have weapons there, and my cameramen were in danger. Wow! So that you sensed the danger. And then, going to Honduras, Nicaragua, um, you know, meeting the poorest of the poor. And then listening to how much faith they have. Joe, I'm going to, to get... I'm
0: gonna have to cut you off. We've got our, I'm sure. uh, coming up against our hard ending. But folks, so blessed, mm-hmm. so blessed tonight to have with us a good brother, Joe Campbell, sharing with us this marvelous journey of faith and God alive in our circumstances, in the season of Advent, anticipating Christ coming again, but truly with us, alive in our stories. Yeah. We just want to affirm, any of you who are listening tonight, just to uh, maybe check out grassrootsfilms.com, certainly. But discover God all the more alive in your own story, and uh, let's lift up one another and uh, truly seek to build his kingdom here on earth by embracing the truth of him alive in us and validating in others. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.